Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Trent Sosby. I'm Mike Rossi. And I'm Rob Fanuff. And we're back again with great Kings of War people. Do a little hobby update. What are you guys working on? Start with Trent. Let's see. So I actually have kind of stresses me out thinking about it. I took on a, a super ambitious project. So I just, and I just started about two weeks ago. I'm taking my first army, which is my undead army. I have about 2,500-ish points, and I popped everything off the bases, just straight up threw the old bases away. I'm rebasing, repainting, and I'm adding about another 3,000 points to it. Undead is what got me into the game. I started playing um, Forces of Nature for a little while. It's what I played at uh, uh, KCGT and Bug Eater this, this year. I wanted to go back and work on it, and it was actually as a result of me packing up everything and getting ready to move to Germany, I was like kind of looking at my old models. I'm like, Oh man, like I'm a way better painter now. Right. Cause I had another army under my belt. Like I think I can actually do these guys justice. And so I started 3d printing. I've went through like two kilograms of resin already. It's going to be, I'm excited, but it's going to take a while. Yeah. I'm excited that whites got announced in resin today. Mike, the uh, yeah, hobby uh, master himself. Yeah, that's me. Okay. Two things. Uh, first thing I've, I've actually started, uh, working on a not a forces of nature army per se, but I am putting together like a bunch of tree man models and and uh, you know, tree kin that kind of stuff or four shamblers. And I'm using the Genier Ancients line, uh, and a buddy of mine is 3D printing up a bunch of those. The idea is to have some earth elementals, some four shamblers. I have some models picked out for my uh, you know my tree men, and then with the idea being that those meta, those minis are like. You know, they're the they're not in a world with no allies. You can still use those as the base for a bunch of different armies, right? Because all kinds of armies use forest shamblers, all kinds of armies mm-hmm. use earth elementals, and so if I build a force like that, now I have bridges that I can use between between stuff, right? The other thing I'm working on is putting together the final player pack for the Dead of Winter GT, which is coming out last weekend in January. So I'm taking a look at do you or do you not include allies? Do you or do you not include the withdrawal rule? Right, things like that. I'm trying, you know, I I went into last year's player pack and I was like, it's good. Then I read it again and said, you can't use easy army. Please don't use easy army, right? Use the mantic companion. So little things like that that I want to get kind of cleaned up before I before I send it out for everybody to look at, you know. I'm doing the same thing with my player pack for Kings of Memphis 3, Revenge of the Bard. Exact same thing where I've had to go through and make the connection to Mantic uh, Companion rather than Easy Army. For us, sure. we've never used allies, so it was easy withdraw. Right. I think we'll, uh, where I will end up is I will email the 36 players from last year and just say, give me a vote. Is it in or out? And because mm. I, I mean, honestly, with that, I've said this a hundred times, I don't like the fact that it's optional. Just just decide yeah. right? Yeah. while we wait for them to make a final decision. And maybe that's version four. We'll have to struggle through this because collectively, you're trying to put butts in the seats. You people that are going to show up need to be the, the you know, the, the need to let their voices heard and let me know. Well, what do you want? Because it's your event. And Dead of Winter last week in January in uh, Albany, New York. Albany, yep. New York. Albany, New York. Okay. Yep. So you know, right awesome. in the middle of right in the middle. It's two hours away from everywhere cool. Right. And this is Albany. the second one. Is that right? This will be the second one. Yep. Woo. So that means yes. it's now it's now a thing. Like when it's one off, 
But right. now that it's actually been successful enough to be repeated, I get to say the second annual Dead of Winter. Race. Yes, yes. Nice. we do. Right, exactly. Awesome. Right. Any other events that are on our people's radar? I'm playing a. Uh... Um, I don't know what the name is. We're just playing a huge game tomorrow. I have a gamer group here in Mannheim. I played a couple games with them before, but what we're doing, there's six people, and we're each bringing uh, one one team. So we split it up into three. One team was uh, like evil, and the other one was neutral and good. And we're each bringing a list of 2,000 points, so it's going to be like a 6,000-point game. So pretty. Is that where the Mannheim that. Steamrollers are from? I don't know. Is there a band named after yeah, that city? Awful. Probably. <laughs> I'm old, Mike. So how long have you been in Mannheim for? Um, so I'm not actually in Mannheim. I'm in, uh, in Spire, if you're an American, or Speyer, if you're German, right? which is about 30 minutes to the south. And I just got here in July is when I moved. Okay, so you've been there just for a couple so, months, and you're already like plugged in with a group, and you're ready to go. Oh yeah, I was. Uh, I met so I met Sebastian, who was uh, in the German group. Brian Latrell introduced me to him. I think played a couple games at his house. Met his play group. They actually have a really good, like a really strong Kings of War scene here. Super nice. Like invited me over to their house. I didn't even have my stuff yet. I was still living in the hotel, and he let me borrow an army dice, like everything. And then I also had the pleasure of meeting Chris Thomas, who lives in Epstein which is like an hour away from here. So it's a little bit more of a drive, but Chris is probably the nicest guy I've ever met. Like he invited me over multiple times and just same thing. Let me use his army dice and just an all around pleasure to be around. Like they're really, yeah, really good uh, communities here. So I feel lucky. That was actually one of my main worries about moving over here because, you know, like hobbying is, uh, and I felt kind of weird the first time I told my wife this, right? It's like, it's really important to my life. So I kind of think yeah. about it in the back of my head. I'm like, okay, we're moving here. Like, is there going to be a place where I can play? Because some places don't have a strong scene, but I feel like right. I got lucky with this move. Interesting Clearly. conversation you guys are having because we're going to talk about player engagement. And this is the reason why Trent's on the show because... Not yeah. because of my playability, that's for No, sure. no, what I'm saying though is that <laughs> is a person that moves a lot and you have a track record of that, your high level of engagement in the game, what you can control has led you to keep playing Kings of War and, and finding all these pockets, right? Yeah. Which is unusual because most people would make the move. They'd be like, I'm done. I'm the same way as you. When we were moving, we, we, were, we were moving from California and we were going to move somewhere else. I'm like, where can we move? And at the time I was playing Warhammer Fantasy Battles and I'm like, well, GW's headquarters is in Memphis. I know I can get games there. We came and we did the interviews and I went to the bunker. I'm like, oh, there's some cool guys here. This is where I want to move. So same sort of thing. I mean, you've been able to maintain involvement some, in the yeah, Kings of War. Yeah, some to the community, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, our main topic tonight is player engagement. Well, maybe it's best to kind of, why are we even talking about it? Where a lot of these ideas for podcasts come from is from the world we live in. And sometimes you interact with something and it goes, hmm, that makes me think about that. And, and, and then right. you have conversations with people. You develop those ideas in, into something that's a little bit more fleshed out. So the inspiration for this, and this is maybe a little nerdy, but, you know, recently, you know, uh, the team behind Countercharge was looking at the stats and we've been looking at our stats, you know, one stat in particular, how many members have been on the Countercharge Facebook page? I think we're at over 1,200 people now. That's just the number, but there's also a fair amount of them that are actually engaged in the conversation. People are posting or responding every couple you know, weeks, which is great. But another stat that a lot of podcasters use is this thing called RSS subscribers. It's basically a, a stat telling you how many unique IP addresses are pinging your feed on a regular basis. For us, it's around 19,000 per month, unique IP addresses Whoa. pinging our RSS feed, which I face value. You're like, wow, that's a, that's a lot. But 
as you learn more about it, you're like, well, it's not really that meaningful because it's sort of an arbitrary number. And it doesn't really tell you. It's not an indication of listener engagement. More numbers are better, but it's not telling you who are you reaching and how many are you reaching and are they engaged in that in that discussion that you're trying to have with the community. So it, it doesn't tell you how many people download, doesn't tell you how many people listen. Ultimately, you know, there, there's a certain amount of people within that big number that are the faithful, the people that are active participants, you know, with the show and with the community on Facebook. So that's the first thing that kind of got me thinking about, well, what can we do as, as players to, or what can we do as a show to give you a boost in the arm to, you know, get that player engagement up? Because I think there's some real positives for us as individuals in, in terms of engagement. The second thing, I'm into video games in general, right? And there's a there's a YouTube channel called Gaming the System. And historically, it's been a very retro video game focused show. And it is hardcore nerd. It makes no bones about it. But more recently, they have been getting more into the, the more modern stuff in terms of repair. Hey, I have an Xbox controller for an Xbox One. Doesn't work. How to repair it? Well, that's not me. I'm not into that. I'm If, if my <laughs> broken, I'm just going to go buy a new one. He had a an episode. Is that what they call those on YouTube? Sure. I don't know what they call them. I guess, yeah. He had a he had an episode that he kind of went through the fact that he's got these two distinct divergent crowds, one being the retro video game folks and the ones that are more about modern video game repair. What he was saying from looking at the stats from YouTube is that there's no overlap. If you put up a video on siphon filter, there's a specific selection of those people that are gonna watch right. it. If he puts up a thing about how do I repair the DVD ROM in a PlayStation 3. There's a separate group of people that are going to right. watch that. What I thought was really interesting was he decided that he was just going to split the channels into two. Crazy strategy because you made a new channel and whichever group got moved to the new channel, how many of them are going to move with it? But long story short, he went back in and now six months or so removed from that change. And he basically said, look, it's working. And let's be honest with YouTube. It's all about uh, uh it's all you about know, the algorithm. It is all about that, the right? Algorithm. Like and getting it recommended. And the number of subscribers that are actually interacting and watching your programs that gets you moved up on the ranks. And so he's saying, Well, viewer engagement is increased. Got my bells turning, right? And then mm. the third thing that really kind of got me rolling was I was looking at back catalog and we had an episode with Ash Barker of Gorilla Miniatures, who used to work for GW. Did Jeremy did a great episode with him? And, and in that episode, I remember. Ash's theory was that players are looking for other players to invest in the game before they jump in. They may be telling themselves, hey, I love this game, but I'm not going to spend a bunch of money if there's nobody going to play it with. Mm -hmm. That made me wonder about, well, other game systems that are successful, in my mind, well, how do they turn those players into stakeholders? They are passionate enough and engaged enough to be contributing members to the community to help it grow. Some of those cases like Infinity, it's a good example, right? Crazy stability, in some cases, better than what we're doing in Kings of War. And so maybe we could use some of these things to, to kind of learn. Mm -hmm. What's the old saying, Mike? Th those that don't pay attention to history are doomed to repeat it. I'm sure I'm going to repeat it. it. No, that's yeah. correct. You know, oh, yeah. Right. Let's look at what's out there and, and see what we can do. Tonight, we're going to chat about player engagement, what you, an individual player agency, can do to contribute, to invest. Okay. We're going to use that word a lot, invest, right? But sure. it's really about being an engaged person. Can you turn yourself into an active stakeholder of Kings of War and help grow that surrounding community? But I do have to mention that we're taking it from the perspective of Kings of War. What we're going to say may not apply to other games because the distribution models may be different. You know, Kings of War is a traditional game. It goes to game stores or online retailers and, and those kind of things. It's a really important distinction because categories may be the same, 
but the way they're balanced may be different if we're talking about somebody like one page rules they're just direct sure. to consumer facing right so right and the fact that mantic did it's figure agnostic right which which another one yeah that's too, another right? thing too right yeah right which actually that, makes it super accessible but then also has its own downside on the on the back end right why are we talking about player engagement? Players that are engaged become usually become advocates for the game. They're more passionate. They share those passions with other people. I mean, to be fair, I think the reason why we want to talk about this topic, you had mentioned it. Actually, we, we had a long discussion before we started recording. Mm -hmm. But the idea is like you play what your friends play, right? And no one wants to be yeah. the first guy in. If you really like, let's say I, I go to gaming conventions. I just had we went to Carnage Con last weekend and you know let's say you go to a gaming convention you get to play kings of war there you come home you're like i gotta show you guys i gotta show you my friends this game and they're like that's really cool but i i'd rather not we're all playing this other game instead and you're like come on man i want to get you i want to get you in because i want to play it again and i have to play with you because you're my friend right and i need we need to build a scene here as opposed to video gamers have it easy these days you want to play with somebody you go online you get you, you can find somebody to play with I mean, my my stepson right now is on is is playing playing video games with some friends that he's made, and just you know they have a seven o'clock time. Everybody piles in, they all play together, but he doesn't have to worry about meeting them at the store or whatever. So his available player pool is way bigger, right? Mm -hmm. For this, you got to get some people that are local. You got to get them jazzed about it so that you have people to play with, you know. And I think that's what the engagement is: is you want to be engaged, so you can build your local scene that gives you more opportunities to play, and then eventually they're going out and grabbing more people too because they get jazzed about the game, and it's a it's a virtuous cycle once you really get everything primed up. That's an interesting analogy about the video games. I never thought about that before. I don't really play them as much as I used to, but you know, I used to play Rocket League, and it would literally take five seconds to find a game. It's interesting because it's it's like a selfish motivator, right? You yeah. want to get people into the game so you can play with them. But and then just the cycle continues. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I wonder why, I mean, you know, I'm not going to try to answer this right now, but why am I personally, I've just, just thought of this, like more willing to make all this effort to play a game, like, you know, build, paint the models, go to the game store, meet strangers and, and try to make these connections like for this game. Whereas if I had to do that to play a video game, I, I wouldn't do it. So like, right. I wonder what, what makes it different? Like what makes it more meaningful than something like that? That's funny. I, I've never, I've never took the game. I've never took like this Warhammer when I was playing it or Kings of War now that I'm playing it or any other tabletop game where there are miniatures involved, etc. I've never taken that game and only looked at it as a game. It's always been a hobby. So it's always been the package for me. You, you paint, you assemble, you play, right? Like that's, if I didn't like painting, I don't think that I, and you know, I, I've taught in previous episodes of this podcast about my, my mental block about painting now, but if I really didn't enjoy the hobby, I don't think that I would have ever really gotten involved in the game. I wouldn't, I would have just stayed play, playing video games, but yeah. there's something about the hobby that I enjoy when I sit down and actually, at least, you know, back, back before when I was, when I was sit down and paint, it's like, this is my time and I got a little meditation going on and Hey, look, I yes. made this. It's super cool yep. looking. Right. Cause I played, I mean, I played competitive magic for a while. I played a bunch of other stuff. And you know what you have at the end of the day, when you're done with playing magic, you have a bunch of cards. Yep. Right. And that's not the same as going, look at this mini I painted. Right. It's, it's a big difference. It's a big it's, difference. It's, it's the coolest thing. And, and I feel like, you know, most people that enjoy the hobby are, probably like this i've always been um kind of a hands-on guy like my first actual big boy job was being a machinist and as i got older and and got into the career that i'm in now you know i sit in front of the computer a lot right do a lot of powerpoints just do stuff like that <laughs> and number one the fact that i can come home after um a busy day and sit at my desk for 
30, 45 minutes and just turn my brain off, whether that be building, right. painting, sanding, whatever, that is what is so important to me for this hobby. Right. And then also, so like the, the three main things you listed for the hobby, you know, the, um, uh, the actual hobby, which is, you know, the painting and modeling. Your, yeah. Yeah. Building your bases, modeling, right. painting or anything like that. I actually, I think painting is probably my least favorite. I still enjoy it, but my big thing is I absolutely love Kings of War multi-basing. Like it just, you know, turns my mind on. There's so many ideas I have. It I'm is not so good at, much cooler. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not good enough to do the ideas I have in my head, but I'm getting there. So that's, you know what I'm trying to do. Preach it brother. Me too. <laughs> right. But yeah, at that level of creativity is something we never had before. I mean, if the most, yeah. the most cool thing that you could do in Warhammer was like, I have a four by four unit filler. So when you hit me with your mortar or the you know purple sun, I get to pick that off first. Right. right? But this is, this is much better. And it's you easier because making a unit filler that could come out and fit yeah. in the unit, it was uh, a brutal. Well, it was like a puzzle. You guys did a better job than I could have. Of, you know, why should people be engaged? <laughs> I mean, there's there's passion, right? You, right. It, it, and we're getting something out of it, right? You hit on a lot of things there. Obviously, we want to build a community where we can reap the benefits of that small community. Yeah. It's interesting because being engaged as a player helps us personally, but then it helps other people too right so you've built a community right. you know you're it's the first step in building a community now other players can reap those benefits mantic games could reach those benefits by having a, an active player base right that's engaged the stores or the places that you buy from this is a jumping off point for a lot of conversations sure. because there's a lot of stakeholders here but tonight we're focusing on you know what you can do as a player and you guys touched on a lot of things and we've took some time to kind of think through them and kind of break them up into four types of investment. That's the way I look at it. I don't know about you guys. I look at it like I'm investing into the game. And what I hope is that what I'm getting out of it is more than what I put into it. Trent, what do you think? I think that's a, yeah, that's, that's an interesting concept. The last thing you just said, you know, you want to get out of it more than you put into it, which is, I, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it before. Like think about all the, and you know, I, I'm I'm relatively new to the hobby. I actually started Kings of War. That was that was a, you know, I never played fantasy. I never played 40k. Sure. I, I knew about them, but I never you know made the jump until I found Kings of War and found the community uh, when I was back in Texas. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting to say, you know, you never think about something like that as you want to get more out of it than you put into it. Because think of all the hours over the years. Like just right. if if you measured that for you, and I'm not calling you guys old. But you have more hobby experience. <laughs> you have more hobby experience. Hey, I'm almost if 50, you, bro. So you can, you're you welcome to call me old. You Mike's probably timer. 39. You know, perennially 39, right? <laughs> yeah, like a stopwatch. Where from day one of the hobby, that anything you did, build, paint, drive to a tournament, talk about it, whatever, and you, you know, you would it would actively count it for the whole time. Sure. Like how 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 much time do you think that would be right now? Here's the funny thing about that. Yes, it would be hours upon hours upon hours upon hours upon hours. Right. But the hobby is a vehicle to other things. So you had mentioned other, you had mentioned Trent um, coming home and being like, I'm done with PowerPoint. Yeah, I, I got to shut this computer down and I'm yeah. going to sit down and I'm going to do painting for half an hour, do a little modeling for 45 minutes. I'll get my head right. Right. You yeah. could do a whole bunch of other stuff to get your head right. You know what I mean? It could be yeah. go home and read, or crack a beer Absolutely. and stare out the window, whatever it is you're doing. Right. <laughs> but like, but that time has, Meaning in this other way, it's a vehicle to get you to that other thing, right? I'm in the car and I'm driving to a and I'm driving to a to a to a convention or a or a or a tournament. Ninety eight percent of the time, I'm riding with somebody else and we are shooting the breeze on the way out and having good yeah. friend time, right? Oh, yeah. I have made some of my best friends through this hobby. You know, I got to know a lot of good people. I 
you know, it's just, that is the kind of stuff that like, yeah, I put boatloads of time in, but in terms of like getting something out, I'm getting these intangible things out. Trent, I don't know. Do you have a set? Do you have another like major hobby that you do? I play magic. That's about it. Okay. Right. So I, I do, uh, I do martial arts. Right. And I've been okay. doing that since I was six. Right. And so if same thing, if you had a, if you had a clock and they were both counting down the amount of hours I do, it'd be hours and hours and hours and hours and hours for both. Right. And they both kind of serve the same thing. I have this community around the thing that I do and I get other untangible things out of doing that other, that other thing. Right. So if I didn't have gaming, I would do more karate or I, you know, who knows, I would do mm-hmm. something else. Right. But, but the important part is that in terms of the the return, the quote unquote return on investment, right? Yeah. The biggest returns on investment that I've gotten out of this game is not the time when I went and played the game and won the game, right? It's like you know, I've I fine. That's 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 the a little blue ribbon or a little a little trophy for having a couple hours of of tactical genius. And I put that in quotes. The real victory are the friends we made along the way, right? Like it's yeah. it sounds corny when I say it, but just the fact that like I didn't know you Trent until just now. Pleasure to meet you. Can't wait to meet you in person, right? <laughs> There's no reason for you and I to know each other, but now we do, right? And that, that that's big. That's a big deal. Yeah, that's huge. And what what you just said too about you know the the winning. You know, to, some people are obviously naturally more competitive than others. I remember the the first tournament that I went to. The first, you know, I felt kind of bad because I was like, oh my god, you know, I came in last. I didn't win a single game. It was right. when it, it was at um, it was actually at KCGT, Rob. Uh, when you know the first time I said it on the podcast, I went in there with the mindset of I don't care if I win, I just want myself to have fun, I want my opponent to have fun, and I want them to meet some new people. And that right there was the stepping off point of me really getting immersed into the community and meeting all these great people and just having an absolute blast at the grand tournaments. It really is. That's yeah, that, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, so those so those those big things, the reason why I think the to be engaged is super important is because then the most engagement you're gonna get and the most, you know, the best things you're gonna get out of the hobby are the other people. And so if you're engaged, then you bring those other people in and and all of a sudden everybody's super happy, right? Like that's and then they're all jazzed too. Like that's important. You know what I mean? So interesting conversation because you know, for me, one of the things I like that that, that I get a kick out of in terms of what I'm getting out of this is I love throwing a party. So running a tournament and having people show up and, yes. and like people going, oh man, that's a cool looking table. Or Keith Wandle going, damn, it's a lot of terrain. <laughs> love it, man. I love it. You know, I just I love I love kind of fostering that thing. And you know, I and, and you know the other thing is you know we paint all these armies. I still get a big kick out of pulling out this army that's maybe ten or fifteen years ago, pulling out this big tub, looking at the models and What's reminiscing. It's- yeah, it's got yeah. memories attached, right? Like yeah, they have memories attached to them. Yeah, it's like I remember when I paint. I mean, Trent, I don't know about you, but when you're painting, do you talk to yourself? Like the older I yeah. get, the crazier I get, I guess. But I can, I like have those conversations about man, this is. I am realizing this is going to be a fun model to paint. This is going to be cool. Yeah, you can. You just start smiling. Like if somebody walked down, like if your wife walked down and saw you sitting there smiling by yourself in your hobby room, she'd probably think you were crazy. But you just, you know, you just have, bringing back these memories, having all the uh, these ideas. Like, oh, maybe I was thinking of painting it this way, but this model like might be, look really cool with like this scheme or something like that. Yeah. And what you were saying, you know, bringing the uh, talking about models having memories attached to them. Uh, I was actually getting going through all of my undead models and popping them off the bases. And getting them ready to prep to put on the other ones, and I found my uh, my lone wolf that I painted up, and I remember 
I painted it up. I actually, I, I, get, I bought the model from Garrett because I didn't have one. And I remember I painted it up the night before. And I remember the one time, you remember you could surge a non-shambling mm-hmm. unit one time? Yeah. I was like, oh awesome. my God. I, rem- I rem- yeah. Texas. And I and I kept it. I'm like, you know what? I'm not touching it. I'm just going to put it mm-hmm. up on the shelf and I'll always remember Lone Wolf 2022 from it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's what we're talking about right here. We're going to make these investments and it's selfish and altruistic at the same time. We're going right. to personally get something out of it, but other people are going to get something out of it as well. We are stakeholders in the game. We are the champions that move this thing forward, that grow this that grow this thing. So what's interesting is we have done the nerdy thing of trying to categorize the type of investments. You may disagree with the buckets we put them in, and I would be happy to have those discussions. In some ways, you could argue some of these things are arbitrary or some of these things, the way we've got them defined, they really kind of cross multiple things. One of your investments may be in one or two or more of these buckets. I think it's just interesting from a thought experiment to kind of walk through the buckets that we've laid out, giving you an example of what we're thinking fits in those buckets. And so let's start at the top. You know, we've got four of them. And the first one, we've dubbed it emotional investment. You've got to care about the game or you're, you're not going to invest in it. You're not going to be right. there in six months, right? Uh, right. You know, ultimately, if, you're not, if you don't care about Kings of War, you'll probably end up playing something else. And I am a big proponent of the general adage, there's a game for everybody and there's everybody for a game. We want you to be here because this is the game for you. This is the game that feels right. All of the things that are great about Kings of War work for you. If they don't, no hard feelings. Like yeah. I have lots of friends that it's just not for them. They don't like ranks and flanks. I get it. Cool. For me, it's talk about it, but there's a lot of great things about it. Emotional investment for me is, you know, uh, I know people that really love the rules. They like the model range. For me, part of it is I just like the way Mantic does business. You know, yeah, that, just me like too. Mike, we've talked about it. It's a, it's a catch 22 that you, you make rules for models you don't make. It's a catch 22. Other game companies don't do that. Mm-hmm. They only make models that are IP protected. I find it refreshing. I also like the way the business cycle, you know, Mike, we had a chat about this at Masters a couple of years ago. It's a once a year thing, right? It's a cycle. It's mm-hmm. we know what it is. Some people find that that's too slow, not enough. But for me, it's the perfect amount where it's just enough change to keep it interesting, but not enough that I've got to like make it a life. You know, it doesn't have to be a lifestyle game or magic where I'm constantly what cards are in that this week. I, I, in terms of emotional investment, I actually think I want to I want to rephrase that as just general excitement about the game when you're not playing the game. That's a great way to look at it for sure. You know what I mean? So I, I have I have a friend of mine who was making a. He was talking about how when he was playing Warhammer, he was constantly fiddling with like in his brain, he'd be at work and he'd be scribbling down ideas for new army lists on like a scratch pad while he was working. And he'd get it all down. He goes, I think that'll look like this. And what do I do with these last 15 points? And there's 42 ways to spend that 15 points. And he, and he was totally like engrossed in the most, in, in, in that army building aspect of it. And he said, when he went to Kings of War, because the number of options you have are actually smaller, right? That he found that he wasn't as engaged in that, level of detail but then he started once he played a bunch he was like huh the way the game works and the mechanics of it do i have enough chaff in the list do i have enough of this do i have enough of that you know last time i played i got really stumped is there a reason why so he's he found that instead of the minutia because you know warhammer was a list building game hey look i have this this list and it will smash your face noob but now he he's his focus when he's not playing he's engaged on a tactical level so he goes, with the army I took, did I do that right? Did I lay it out right? So now what he'll do is he'll sit down and he'll sketch out like deployments 
And against this, what do I do here? So he's still engaged in the game when he's not playing, just in a different way. But that level of engagement, it has that little piece in it's it, one of the rooms up in your attic is as is, is full of Kings of War stuff yep. in his brain. You know what I mean? So it's, it's his mind will go there, and mine does too. You know when yeah. I'm really like down with it. I think you just that, you, you get the little itch, right? Yes, it's like yeah, you get the itch, <laughs> right? And I, I that's that's important because if the game doesn't mm-hmm. hold your interest when you're not playing it, then it's like, eh, right? But having that excitement when you're not playing to wait, I can't wait to play again to try. I can't wait to show up to the next GT. I'm going to show off this new unit I painted, right? I really am jazzed about this other thing that I'm doing, right? It's it's that that level of excitement, I think, is that emotional investment into the game, right? And Kings of War, once you play it enough and you understand the tactics of it, really does bring you in on that level. I think, And I mm-hmm. think it's important. And and I can see as, as people get hooked, like a year and a half ago, we did a demo day uh, here in Albany. We had a bunch of people show up and we had... A couple of people show up to the, that went to that. A couple months later, we did the first Dead of Winter. Some of those guys showed up. They had, um, and you know, they did great. The brand new players, but they had long to long time war game players, right? So they played the, played the tournament. They left and they said, "Oh my god, it's amazing!" I got one guy who is constantly running one days now, once a month. He's taking that over for the club because I want to play more. So I'm going to go and I'm going to well, run. Well, who, who is that? Is that Jason, Jason Murphy. Murphy? Yeah, Jason Murphy. I've heard yep. he's, he's a legend now. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Right. So he just got jazzed and he's engaging in that way. Right. I have another guy who who we ping back and forth quite a bit. Hey, I'm thinking about taking this army list. What do you think? I'm like, man, I don't know nothing about nothing, but here's my opinion. But it's one of those things where if you have a community where you can reach out and, you know, there are always downtimes at work where I'm in a meeting while I'll check my messages and go, oh, look, I put Facebook Messenger. Who's who's texting me? Right. And I'll have a little mini chat for five minutes about King's War and I get back to what I'm supposed to do. But that kind of stuff, that engagement with other people builds the excitement in the in the group. Right. Mm-hmm. Builds the excitement. That's big. Right. Well, I think another example and no better example than this withdrawal rule issue that we've got. Right. So it's an optional rule. Is it in or is it out? And we've got passionate people on both sides of the argument. Some saying, look, it's it's integral to the balance of the game. You've pointed units based on their ability to do these things. Right. And then you got other people that said, look, man, it, it's a mathematical irregularity. And Yes, it can be used to maybe separate uh, equally uh, skilled Skilled. players. Yeah, skilled players. But really, the unintended consequences, you got these feel-bad moments, and and it's really bad for the game. What I can appreciate is on both sides, you've got people that that are really invested in that discussion. I I think the, uh, the withdrawal rule debate is a good sign of the health and strength of the community because, you know, we do have two very passionate players that, you know, have different opinions about it. Uh, for me personally, um, I'm not that high level of a player, so I, I I just wish they would either take it out or leave it in. I don't. That's, I don't like that's my opinion. Thing. Too. I, yeah. I, not, yeah, I, I don't I do like, optional, like optional. Just make it make a decision and move on. Because yeah. it's like you know, depending on the TO, the tournament, wherever you're at, you might have to plan for one or the other. I just I don't like the idea of that. As long as both sides are respectful, right? You might be entrenched in your va- in, in your values or belief or whatever. You still have to respect the other side, you know, to have a have that discussion instead of getting in the mentality of like, nope, this is the way I see it. That's it. You guys are wrong. Like, no, let's talk about it. Let's see what what we can do about it. And like Rob, like you said, you know, like, hey, this it's an issue because ABC. Maybe we can do X, Y, Z to fix it. Like, kind of start the dialogue. You know, Aaron Chapman gave up some really awesome ideas. I think he's the first one that I read that said maybe it becomes a, a special rule. Look, there's a lot of creative people, and we're going to talk about creativeness in a minute. Like a special rule on a character? Yeah, it's like, like this a, guy's got oh, the withdraw special yeah. rule. You know? That's pretty cool. 
the second bucket, I'll be honest with you, it's oh, is it my favorite? I, it might be my favorite bucket, and that's at it creative investment. You know, you guys were talking earlier about painting and the hobbying, but really, it, it, it's more than that. It's it, it's you know, and like I said, it, it could blur the lines because is it, is it the is it what Mike we were just talking about that emotional you know interaction that it, it generating excitement, but but the creative thing is really about. Am I excited enough to th that I'm going to go out and actually create something, make something that didn't exist before? And it doesn't necessarily have to be the hobby. The hobby is a great example of that. But for me, uh, part of my creative investment is this podcast, right? But doing this, we've got five, almost going on 600 episodes. We started, we started this version of the show in 2015. We, we were doing it before that, though. We were called Magic Radio. But like for me, the joy is creating something. And, and really, it's sort of like more than some of its parts. I go and they, I pull Mike in. I pull Trent in. Hey, let's have a conversation about this thing. This right. is going to spark a conversation. We're going we're gonna to say some stuff people agree with, they don't agree with. We're going to engage the community. We've invested in it, and we're going to reap a, a bigger conversation within that community. Trent, you're a classic example and, and the shining star of this, this, this thing. When I first met you, I was blown away by the level of commitment to the narrative. Your army had a name. It had a full story. Yeah. Right. And I'm, and I'm not, and that's I'm, awesome. and I'm being genuine here. I'm not making fun. That is, that's some cool <laughs> right there. Yeah. Like I'm the same way. My kingdoms of half men have an army. I've got little unit descriptions of all the, of all the units. I, I told this recently. So I'm probably going to, people are like, I heard this already. I have a unit of knights. <laughs> they're the order of the drunken Ram. They are like fantastical version of volunteer firemen, you know, but they're volunteer knights. And they're coming out of the bar. Their bartender's waving them off and going, hey, guys, have a great, have a great battle. Yeah. And it's like, dude, I love it. All credit to my daughter. I was going to be like the Order of the Drunken Shoe. That's why I was going to. She's like, well, just give it that artifact. Call it the Order of the Drunken Ram. It makes more sense. Boom. Bob's your uncle. I mean, they're riding rams. Yeah. Right? Like, that's it's awesome. On right? the nose. We have another great example. We got Mike here. Mike is an author, right? Like, he has written a, he has written a thing that we're all going to love very, very soon. Right? Well, I'm scared for you. I'm scared for you, Mike, because when Jake gets it, Jake's pretty rough now. I'm hoping. Well, I, I, I was I was able to take. I was Jake read it. Okay, and great. he he was like, "This is okay." It's like, "Yay, <laughs> that's positive. Right? That's, that's positive. good." Right. And so, in terms of the creative investment, right? I I think it comes in a bunch of ways, but really, it is. What what are you doing? It, this goes back to like, are you thinking? Okay, so before it was, are you thinking about the game when you're not playing the game, right? This creative investment is like, how am I, what am I building around the game? So it could be sitting down and going, I have a fantastic idea for an army. I want to paint it. I want it to look like this. It's going to look awesome. I'm going to buy this new salamanders came out. You know what? I'm going to try to put together an ambush force for salamanders. I'm going to come. I'm going to buy these minis and put them together. And everybody starts and Trent, we talked about this before we started recording. Mm -hmm. Everybody has an idea in their head about what they want it to look like. Right. They're like, I just, yeah. I have this new army project and this is, this is the vision. And then you go and you try to do it and you're like, Oh man, Oh, this is close. Right. But the, the, the attempt of doing it, the, the creative expression of your army on the table is a big deal. Right. Cause that's, that's kind of a reflection of where your head's at. And you want to share the vision with other people. You get jazzed by the background, you jazz by it, and you go, check this out, right? Have you guys uh, – so actually one of my favorite things about going to a tournament is the, the either like the first night or the first morning when everybody shows up and they're set, they're pulling their armies out of the box and like mm. setting up their display boards. Have you guys ever gone around and, you know, you're looking at somebody 
and you just see a unit and you pull something out like, oh man, like your freehand banners look amazing. Do you ever see the way their face just lights up? Oh yeah. Up? yeah but let me ask you like, this. Have you ever yeah. asked about an army and they're like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> no. <laughs> as soon as you bring it up, you got a new best friend. Let's talk. Yeah. Because yeah. I love, I don't know about you guys. I love talking about paint, hobby, background stories, display yes. boards. I'm all in. Right. Yeah. And then it's, it's even like, uh, so Rob, you, you were talking about the background story when I was giving my hobby update, I almost forgot like, these uh so you know I have my my council of gala here right for the uh for my forces of nature and the main reason that I decided to redo my undead army is because I I love that army so much I was like you know what I want all of my armies to be related so the way I'm going is is these are the the good undead right like I'm not gonna have Jarvis yep. but they're still gonna be good sure and uh, they're gonna they're gonna fight with them so that I'm kind of using my basing and multi-basing and some some little bits and bobs i've 3d printed to to show that in the actual modeling That's but awesome. i think and and for me the creative investment is not how am i gonna try to how am i gonna try to word this it's not ex- mutually exclusive like i think you have uh, mike when you were talking about your friend who would you know sit and scribble about gaming and tactics uh, starting with Warhammer and getting into Kings of War. I think there's people who do that during the day for the creative side too. So you might, totally. you know, you might be just a casual gamer, but you have people who are sitting there drawing up their uh, plans for a multi-base or design for a, uh, for a display board or something like that. Because for uh, this is the first army that I've uh, done where I've had a 3d printer, right? I just started two or three weeks ago and my wife thought I was crazy because I was waking up, like at four in the morning before I go to work to take a print off and start it again. So I could right. have it done by the time I got home. And she was <laughs> like, are you, are you okay? And I was like, no, I just, I have this idea and I know exactly what I want and I want right. to get, you know, get it done as efficiently as possible. <laughs> it's so cool. And yeah. so, and so in terms of like, how do you foster that, that energy with your buddies? Right. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I think um, you guys had both mentioned training. You go to a tournament, you go, wow, that, that this looks totally awesome. Yeah. How did you do this? Right. Did you use the contrast paints? How'd you get this? That's an awesome effect on this banner. Holy crap. Freehand, you know, that kind of stuff. How do we foster that in our local communities too? Right. So that we're once again, it's like, okay, you're painting this I, I can't wait to see it. You know, what are you working on? I know that I'm lucky. Cause I can, I can reach out like Greg person uh, podcast with me. He's fantastic. So yeah. between him and him and Jake and John, I can go, I don't know nothing about nothing how do I build a base that looks like this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Greg was like, here's, here's a 17 step tutorial on how I do it. It's like, okay, awesome. That's, <laughs> that's good. I, I can do these now for him. It's four steps for me. It's 17, right? Like I'm a, I'm a complete dope. Well, but you're, I you're paying by numbers. That's cool. Right. Wrong with that. Yeah. So, I mean, when I take a look at, when I take a look at that, having that ability to draw on the expertise of my friends and being comfortable enough to ask them and being comfortable yeah. to, to ask other people in the community and go, that's awesome. How'd you do that? Right. The other side of that then is if you are a good hobbyist, being approachable enough to yes. do right. Yeah. Because I've I in in once again all my bad stories are from Warhammer. But back in that time, I would ask I would ask, hey, how do you do this? And the answer is just like practice. I'm like, yeah, I know. But Takes what ten thousand hours to learn how to do it. I got it. But what am I practicing? Right. Like you know, like what exactly is the technique that you do in order to get the thing? It's like, well, I don't know. I can't tell you if you don't know. All right. Good. Thanks. Thanks a bunch. Way to go. Right. Yeah, you bring up a good point, though, Mike, in the sense that, you know, creativity couldn't be just you being accessible to to pull out the creativity of other people, right? 
Right. You could be the lightning rod. I, I mean, everybody needs to have a Billy Smith in, the, in their community, right? He shows up and he loves the hobby and he's here to help people. Yeah. At the end of the day, this is an important piece. I think this is the, what, what's interesting about this piece is that, you know, in many ways, there's something you physically can show. Now, the podcast, I can at least pull up on the screen where we did podcasts, right? But like a lot of times you got a model in your hand, you got an arm, you got a display board, you've got something. You know, Mike, we talked about video games earlier. That's the distinction here. You right. have something at the end of this that will give you returns on that investment for years to come. I have tubs of old models, even if they're not Kings of War models. And I just right. like, like pull them out and I'm like, hmm, that's really cool. You know, right. look at this guy. What can I do with this? Right. Yeah. Can I, yeah. can I rebase them? Can I repaint them? Or maybe it's just like, I just enjoy looking at them. I mean, I have a Warriors Chaos Army. It's never going to be Kings of War because I just, I don't have the heart to like, I made these obsidian bases. I, I, I can't do it. I, I just don't have it right. in me. Yeah. But right. I still get great enjoyment when I go nice. over to the display case and I check out those models. Like, man, a couple things. One is I think they're really cool, but also I think, oh, I've come a long way in painting since then. Yeah. I like to see that journey, yeah. right? So no, it's yeah. a big difference. It's a big deal. I look so. at and and just um and you know, I've been painting for like God, maybe not not even two years now, maybe coming on two years. I can't remember exactly when. Mm-hmm. And looking at my old undead army and my my the second army that I had was Fortress of Nature. I'm just I'm so happy with myself, and it's not. Yeah. And and when and when you don't compare to other people, like you you just compare it against yourself, right? Because mm-hmm. if you compare it to other people, like if I compared my uh, all my hobby products to other people, I, I would feel bad all the time, right? There's right. some amazingly talented. It's, it's self defeating. It's self-defeating. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah. is. It's at the same. Well, it's depressing and motivational at the same time. Sure. It's kind of like when you, yeah, when you see other it gives you a target, but it's depressing yeah. that you're not there yet. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. Like investing in this. The yeah. other reward is you are going to get better the more you cre- the more you create every model that you paint. You right. get better if you're putting so, in the effort. You will get better. So in terms of the other side of the creativity, right? The the thing that gets you jazzed to build an army um, would be the lore. So you read the lore mm-hmm. in the in the book, and you're like, okay, well, ogres. Like they sound cool, right? So you you read about the background in in the in the in in the old rule book, and you okay, I'm going to build an army, and I love the idea that they could be mercenaries anywhere, and so I'm going to, you know, maybe I'll put them in the desert. It doesn't matter. Like you have a vision, yeah. right? But the lore leads you, good lore leads you into a bunch of spots where you can build a, a bunch of myri- a myriad of different looks for the same yes. army units, right? Like that's that's good stuff. I actually think that that was. One of the things that I understand that if you're going to have a big rule book, it has all the rules in it and you can't have another 150 pages of fluff. I say fluff in quotes because I actually yeah. think the lore is important to draw you yeah. in, but having it as a separate thing. That's yeah, it's a separate document. Is, yeah. So yeah, now, it's, it's, it's free. It, it might be tough. It's free, but you got to go find it yeah, as opposed to it being yeah. there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But well, anyway, it's what, what you just said resonated. And, and again, I'm old, so I'm going to go back to a kind of, it always triggers memories, man. And right. I was at uh, an event for GW. Maybe it was a games day. And Anthony Reynolds, who was an author and, or is an author and wrote the Bretonian book, he made the comment that the game works because it gives you the sandbox. And I think one of the things that is very awesome for Kings of War in, this, in terms of what creatively investing in is that they don't prescribe to everything has to be nailed down to this this very strict IP. They give you space. Right. Okay. So like ogres, these regions, ha- they, they may have very defined groups within those areas, but they give you room to breathe. So for my kingdoms of men list, like I, I just like, well, 
the dragon, the dragon, the dragon teeth mountains, right? They live in there. They protect the specific pass. So I was able to create a story based on certain hooks that I've made. Okay. I see this pass obvious. I think it's called the pa passage of cataclysm. Great. We're a dividing line between right. Roria and kingdoms of men, which is why my kingdoms of men list is all halflings. Right. Right. There are Makes people sense. that don't want to be in Roria. Ironically, that's kind of where, <laughs> where the, the official fluff has went, right? Where they're kind of leaving, you know, the Shire is leaving yeah. Roria. I really think that it's really awesome that Mantic gives you the sandbox. I'm going to use Anthony's thing. It's the sandbox to yeah. play in. And this is the best thing about creativity. There's no limit. Themes and, and the way you paint an army and the story. I'm sure we all have like, hey, I would prefer, for me, I'll give you an example. I'm a, I'm a person that likes theme that is consistent or balanced with the greater lore. I like to think like, oh yeah, I can see that this would be in, in right. the world of Mantica, this makes sense or, when I look at it yeah. within Panther, like a Harry Potter army. Uh, okay. It doesn't really make sense to me, but I can still appreciate the level of in creative investment that was put into it. The thought, sure. the care, the love. This one for me is a big one. I, I, I and, and I think because you can usually come away with something tangible in your hands, it's easiest to explain. Right. Just, I have, a, I have, a, like you had mentioned earlier, just being, being an unpublished author, I'm just going to keep saying that. It's, it's. I have a vested interest in the development of the lore so that the game world makes sense. The thing that I talk to people now, the only thing that they really say that they miss about Warhammer, the base, the people that came here to play Kings of War, they realized that the rule set was pretty shit, but they missed the lore of it. And I'm like, well, that's cool because I mean, I, I don't know if on my podcast I've mentioned reading like, for example, the Elric, the Michael Moorcock Elric books. And that mm -hmm. his concept and this you know, pulpy stuff written in the seventies, right? But those those books have the concept of law and chaos. They mm -hmm. have the you know elves that are just alien and dark elves, and it's just there's cool stuff in there where I'm like, I see where they cribbed that. I see where they cribbed that. If you take a look at the original lore and you want to remember how cool it is, go read Dune, and that'll tell you half of the the source material. If you if you, if, you, if you miss mean? the Warhammer stuff, go yeah, you go to the. Source. But I'm just saying, like that's it, yeah. you tell what they cribbed from. Panathor is different. In so far as instead of pulling from these other things, what they do is they pulled from history. They did a lot of pulling from different historical eras based on where you are on the map, whichever one made sense. And then they push it into a fantasy direction or they give a good strong what if. That lore, when you look at it, makes a lot of – I think it makes a lot of sense from a lore perspective. Some of the stuff doesn't resonate with me, but whatever. The important thing is that if I was going to read the lore, I would get jazzed. If I read the lore about Twilight Kin, I want to get jazzed at the end of reading that about building a Twilight Kin army. Right. If I read the lore about halflings, I'm like, well, how would halflings armies? So I, I want to go and I want to build that army. The lore should be a catalyst for me to get yeah. excited to want to do the thing. Right. It shouldn't just be an excuse for we have these minis and we want to sell them. Right. Yeah. We have elves because every 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 place has elves and we have dwarves because every every game has dwarves. Because Tolkien had dwarves. It's like, well, show me something. Show me what your yeah. dwarves are, you know, mm -hmm. so that I can get excited about building the army. In the world of Panathor, he's got some interesting concepts that you don't see in a lot of other games. The Northern Alliance, right? It's like yeah. this disparate group of people, different races that have bonded together in this, in this unified mission, right, of right. good. It's unique, and it's great. You got, you know, half-health berserkers, and you've got elves, yeah. and you've got dwarves, and I think that's pretty original, and that's pretty cool. And right. for me, 
I'm a hoarder, so I have all the models. But when I get to around actually building oh, cool. the army, I'm excited, man. I'm like, but I'm just saying, you could pull in from all these other ranges too. I don't think you have to use if if you're really gonna. If I was gonna sit down and do a northern northern alliance army, I wouldn't do the northern alliance elves. I would do elves. I yeah, would do well, other the elves. That they I, make. And you don't have to things. do it in the snow. I'm always a proponent of do something different. Be interesting. Yeah. Show right. me something new. Show so something new. They won't be. They will not have snow on their bases when I'm done. Right. I really like what you said about, you know, the lore is a catalyst and that's really what for the forces of nature. Like I knew that I wanted a forces of nature army and I kind of had an idea of the list, but I was looking for inspiration for uh, the basing, which is the out of everything hobby related. Basing is like multi-basing is my hands down favorite thing to do. I, I think sure. it's so cool. And I just remember I was literally just flipping through the book and I was like, Oh, there's a map right there you know the map of panathor from the yep. not the not the red book but the uh, the green one before it the green one before yeah yeah and i was looking and there was the little little forest surrounded um by i think it was either uh, i think it was kingdoms of men and that's when i mm-hmm. found like the the galahir forest forest of galahir yep. whatever it is and i started reading up on that and started talking about deep root the forest warden and like all this stuff and i'm like dude like this it just it just like shot off so many mm-hmm. ideas i'm like i'm running with this so right. and yeah, it's in that right there. Just finding that one page is the inspiration for my next army as well. Mm-hmm. It's cool. I did it, I did it in Warhammer. Uh, I had a Tomb King army. I love the idea of the Thunder Lizards. It was from the trilogy, a Mike Lee trilogy about Nagesh. He talked about these these chariots that were pulled by these Thunder Lizards. It was Resetra, so it's kind of like desert, but next to the jungle. And I'm like, made a whole army about it. And Mike, I can't wait for your book to come out. Cause I'm like I'm making this name character. I'm gonna have this name character. <laughs> right. I'm build, I'm building a Mike Rossi army. I can't wait. Like I, sounds I, legit. I, I, I you know it's fun to create new stuff. It's also fun to find your own interpretations of what you've read. Absolutely. Like, oh man, this that, guy sounds cool, really awesome. Right. And the cool thing is that gets you engaged. And then when other people like if they know if if my if my uh, if your clubmates know that you're excited, they'll come to you and go, "I have this cool art, uh, idea," and you're like, "That is totally awesome! You totally should do that." And then every once in a while, just pinging out and checking, "How's it coming? How's it coming? You got a yeah. unit? How's it coming? Show me what's yeah. up, right?" If you're, you know how we were talking about, you know, going to the tournament and and telling people like if you compliment somebody, their face just lights up and they'll talk to you forever. Mm-hmm. If you're, it, sometimes all it takes is just one positive comment. They're like, "Hey, man." That, that banner looks awesome. And then people will come to you. Right. And be like, dude, like, look at this new unit. I'm like, it might mm-hmm. be a, a GT six months down the road, but like, oh, hey, I remember you. Like, look at this unit I made. What do you think? Right. Like, you know, it's just, yeah. And then that's, that's really, it just makes the uh, engagement in the community and being a part of the community like that much more meaningful. Right. Right. When, and so when, that, when that, you have interactions like that. That is so awesome because that actually segues to the next part for is the social engagement. Right. Right. And so like the whole point of this game, really, if, if you know, if I wanted to, I don't know, the whole point of this game for me is to meet people and to and to hang out with people that I like. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a way. It's an excuse to hang out. So um, I, I have found that, like. If you OK, so I'm going to turn that around a little bit, Trent. So if you if someone if if you say wow that's that's really cool looking and the other person says yeah thanks so much that made my day you know I will go out of my way to go f- to just walk by again and go how's it going what'd you paint what do you got what do you got there right yeah. what's going on and just reaching out just a little bit because to show a little interest in in the other person and what they've been up to right which is different than the way that you react like um, act at a local scene right and actually mm-hmm. I, I don't know if we're going to talk about that eventually. But I think that that is that's a whole different paradigm because that, that's that's a different level of engagement, right? But going to a GT and be able to go find somebody and go show me what you've been working on, I'm interested. To, I'm interested in what in you and what you're up to. Yeah, right. Awesome. 
I'm sure you guys are, you know, you have some friends or some people you met along the way. You might only see them at one GT that you go to every year. You know, right. that might be the only, I mean, sure you talk to them on Facebook or, or whatever, but that might be the only time that you actually see them in person. Yeah. So those interactions are, are just that much more important too. Right. Totally true. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's super important too. I'm going to channel my inner Jeremy that when you're having those interactions, be your authentic self, right? Like, Oh yeah. You know, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, we're not doing it just to do it. We're doing it because it's about engagement. It's about, you know, Mike said the social investment here, that's the next kind of bucket that we really want to dive into. It's, you know, at the core of this community, there's a shared interest in this game called Kings of War, right? The more engaged the player bases are, the more they're going to interact, they're going to share those interests, you know, the social side of it, you know, I mean, in some ways you could say the podcast is that, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to set the stage for a discussion. You know, in my mind, the best example of this is I want to be a TO, right? I'm a TO. And I'm going to throw a party for Kings of War, and I want you to come, and I want you to have fun. I want you to right. show up, and I want you to see how cool, hopefully, you find the terrain cool, you find whatever we're doing with scenarios and bonus objectives cool, and you get to meet all those cool new players with those right. really cool armies, and you get to just experience that. And, and you know, for me, that's that's my, one of my big social investments is that I do, um, I mean, obviously do the podcast, and I do a lot of talking sure. to people, but the TO thing is the highlight of my year, man. Like, I mean, we got we got uh, Kings of Memphis three, Revenge of the Bard coming up in in, in June of next year. Can't wait. We had thirty six last year. I mean, I'm hopefully we'll get forty plus, and I want forty of my favorite friends to show up and just have one hell of a time while we celebrate how good how great the game is and how great we are as a community. Right. Um, I don't know. This is a this is an area where there's probably other things you can do. What, what are some other ways you guys could, you know, see people investing, you know, that funny, social piece we, where you're making those connections? It's funny as we go down this list, we started with the, uh, you know, emotional or just general excitement. And I thought to myself, oh, yeah, man, like that's definitely, you know, that's the most important one. Then we got to creativity and I was like, oh, you know what? It's it's hard, right? Most- and now we get to the social. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That might be it, actually, because for <laughs> me, I think it's safe to say that everybody in this community is a nerd. I would say don't want to generalize, but just, you know, probably tabletop sure. board gaming, playing with little toys. Like everybody's generally nerdy. And me personally, I'm a, I'm like a pretty introverted guy. But as soon as soon as I get a hint, like a flag, like if somebody says something about Lord of the Rings and I'm like, okay. So, you know, and then I just immediately <laughs> you, open you, up. You get the, the flood signs. Gates, the right. floodgates go. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like you get the green flag. I'm like, all right, this, this person's cool. We're going we're gonna to unleash right. the beast. Yeah, 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 and that's so the social side for me is it's really important. And you know, I don't know how to how to word this right. So you know, I'm I'm relative. I'm like 28, right? And Mm -hmm. uh, I'm so I'm a little bit younger than the average person in the crowd. That's not a hit on you guys again. In the the community, I would say that you know, caveats. It's generally a little bit older, right? At my age, you can't you can't age is not going to offend me. Yeah, it's fine. But it's it's just (laughs) amazing. Like this. I think the the social aspect of this hobby is one of the most important things for me to to, to get that. Like I, I met some great people, you know, the Colorado crew. Rob, I met you at a at a tournament. Kansas City, yeah, I'm just, yeah. Just thinking of all these people, like you know, Michael Sigler ran it. Met the Minnesota crew, and like you know, they're not. It's not just a, a a passing thing. Like oh yeah, you know, I met this person one time. Like I'm genuinely excited to see these people whenever I go to a tournament back in the states. Like I, I'm, I'm really yeah. looking forward to. It, I, honestly, right? honestly, when I'm planning for tournaments, I'm looking for the tournaments where yes. my friends are going to be at. Yes. Oh, Mike is going to be there. 
I'm going to be there. Yeah, uh, sign me or, up, or, right? Yeah, Trent's <laughs> going to be there or, or lots of great people, right? A big selling point for, for events for me. We've made these kind of anecdotes before, and I think it's really true. Like, I legitimately can probably go to any big city in the United States, and there's someone playing Kings of War that I have had an interaction with, that I would be comfortable to the level of saying, hey, can we get a game in? Can can you show me sure. around? Can you whatever, right? And, and, and I don't know. It's still a little bit mind-boggling about how amazing that is. Right? Yeah, and, and there's other games that yeah. have the same thing. But you know, obviously, we are we're the faithful, so we're really invested right at this point. So we have a lot of connections to people, and it's that social well, investment. We put it out, we put it in there, and we're able to pull it out when we're in Albany, New York. You know, yeah, oh, I know, I know somebody in, in Germany. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, right? in Germany. Yeah. I mean, I was. I mean, I, you are the I'd example. You are the classic example, Trent. I had been in Germany for my, my like first week, right, and um, still jet lag, still living in the hotel, and uh, I, I had a game, right. Somebody invited me over to their house. Let me like let me meet their family, use their army, play with their dice, like, and it it was it was a great time, right. So I just think it's it, it's um I think being a part of the community is like is like a signal, right. It's like Rob said, you could go into any game store and if somebody's playing right. Kings of War, you might be like, hey, you want to get a game in? It's really, it's it's one of those strong communities. Yeah, agreed, right? I totally agreed. I, and then how how do you how do you foster that, right? How do, how do you, I, I, I think it's pretty, I think the answer is actually to that is pretty simple. It's just, I, yeah, give, I think, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, give a crap about people. Yeah. Right. If, if you basically give a crap about people, then it, we all have a shared it, interest. I think this is the easiest one to build a community. Right? I really think this is the easiest one. Sure. Just, just be a decent person. You know. Mm-hmm. Get, I think it's more than that. About the people I think that it's more than that. I, well, think, it, I, I think it's more than yeah. not just being it. Don't be it. Okay. So step one: don't be a dick. Step right. two, yeah. though, yeah. right? Would <laughs> yes. be right. Would be like in terms of building community, it's being being encouraging, mm-hmm. being interested. Right, showing, or emotionally invested, showing you know, well, having yeah. empathy, you know, you know, right for for the other people, and because because I've I've been to I've been to some game conventions where you sit down at a table and you play with people who you've never met, right? And there are some people there that are like totally into the game. You're like this, this is my type of dude, right? So I'll play yeah. like I I do historicals at 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 these events, and so you sit down and be like, all right, on the thirtieth, on the twentieth, Main, I'm on the left hand side. Here we go. And there's other guys that are just they're pleasant. And they're not dicks, but they're not engaging either. And they're looking yeah. at their phone in between their turns and they're not really at the table. And it's like, yeah. that doesn't yeah. build, that doesn't build community. That's just a mechanic. That's a mechanism of I'm playing a game. Anybody, if that dude is playing a game, I could be anybody. I could be anybody on that side of the table and it would be the same to him. You see what yeah. I mean? I think, and yeah, I think there's a difference, you know, I'm glad you broke it down like that. And I think, you know, just, just foster a positive environment. Really? Yeah. Right. really and and then i always i think it's a good idea when you're um and you know if the if it's a super competitive like masters or something it might it might be a little bit different but I, I think having it in the back of your mind when you're playing a game to think to yourself i want my opponent to have a good time too because right. if they're not having a good time like i'm not gonna have fun right right because you know like when rob steamrolled me at kcgt and i literally didn't he tabled me and i didn't kill a single unit right. i was like feeling kind of bad about myself but Rob is just such a genuine nice guy. Like I still had a fun time, right? Right. <laughs> he says it with air quotes. You know, it, it's interesting too. We, uh, Mike, something you guys, you guys were just saying. You know, I think it's also about being what Trent said about making your opponent, giving your opponent a good time. It's it's sort of like 
try and figure out what their expectations are for the game and meet them, right? Like when you go to the game, if we're on the top table, there's probably going to be an understanding we're here to win this tournament, right? Well, yeah. I'll be honest with you. When I'm at the bottom mid tables, I don't give two about it. Like I'm, I'm right. there to have fun. You know, I still want to give them a good game. I always feel that in the back of my mind. Like I want to be a clean player. I want to, I want to respect the rules. I respect the player. I'm not going to pull my punches, but at the same time, I, I kind of want them to get something out of the game. And also what's interesting about this versus say, um, Video games, you can't be anonymous in this game, right? Like you are having right. a conversation <laughs> yeah, with me, right? right? That's a good point. And, and so, <laughs> and so, the thing is, is that like there are a lot of introverted people, and I would say as a kid, I was much more introverted, and then over time, I, I became the other direction. Well, you get more confident as you get older, right? I mean, that makes Absolutely. a difference, you know? Yeah. And so, are there things you can do to help people that are like they want to they want to see this? this game for what it is at this great events, but maybe they're a little nervous about it. Find a way to make it accessible to them. You know, to your point, I, I had a game one time with somebody in a different game system where they, the guy didn't literally, he literally said nothing to me the entire game. And, and I was like, yeah. I felt bad about it. Cause I thought there's something I did. And just, yeah. I, I thought about it, like, what, what kind of I done to maybe engage that person more so that we had a, I mean, I'll give you another example where it was done you, right. I'll give you an example of where I was like, this is the most memorable game I've ever had. Show up at the table. We're playing the same army. I look at the guy and go, bro, we ain't playing for anything. I want to play your army. He's like, yeah, I want to play your army. That so is swap, awesome. Oh, so we swap armies and we play against each other oh with the other God. army. And I got my ass yeah. kicked with my own army against my own army. But, <laughs> you know, I like that's the kind of stuff that when you take stock of what you're what you've got going on at the table. What can you do to make this thing memorable? Because at the end of the day, right. when we're old and gray, that's all we got is the memories and the models, right? So memories, memories yeah, and models. So yeah. The memories and models, man. Right. What would you were just saying, just a real quick comment here. What you were just saying, Rob, like about, you know, you want to be, you want to be uh, clean, know the rule set so you can give your opponent a good game. Honestly, my main motivation to get better at the game is just so I can have like a good fun game, right? Because no nobody likes it when when you just just completely steamroll somebody and when, when you're, you know, unless maybe you're uh, it's a top table and you're super excited about winning the tournament or something like that. But I think that's, that's one of my motivators to be like, okay, I want I want to get better so that I can play the average player. And we have like a really tight, really like right. nail biting swingy game. Mike, something games you remember. Yeah. Something Mike said like a long time ago, and I don't remember where I heard it. He goes, look, man, I'm here to make my local players better and to make them so that we, we, we up our game so that, you know, it's, it's not just about yeah. making friends. It's also like, hey, making them learn the game more. And I think there's one of my favorite things to do now is when I'm playing a newer player, I'm not going to kick his ass. I want them. I want to point out the decisions they have mm -hmm. and walk them through it and, and 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 actually teach them the fundamentals of what's mm -hmm. going on in my head, which is not probably safe for a lot of people. But, <laughs> you know, uh, certainly because I mean, I'm not a great player. Let's be honest. Um but like walk them through what I'm thinking through and right. hopefully just share some insight into, well, Hey, in this situation, you've got these three things you could do. And here are the out. Here's the potential outcomes of those things. Right. Which way you want to go? Cause at the end of the day, we've, we said it a million times. This is not a gotcha game. It is a game of intention. We, we share what, what our intentions are. And sometimes it's cool to kind of pull back the, 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 the curtain and say, yeah. okay, what are your intentions? I mean, if you're trying to do this, is that the right way to do it? Is there a better alternative? And so, I don't know. I I, I love it's nerdy. 
but I love mm-hmm. those kind of conversations after the game when it's over, when uh, Adam Ballard completely eviscerates me on the table. Okay, Adam, <laughs> yeah. What could have I done differently? And his answer, right. well, he probably could have played a different army or, 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 right. or, 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 or you could have taken different units um, or, 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 or it's just like, Hey, you played this, you played, it was a risk, but this is, you know, yeah. So, right. If I was going to encapsulate what we talked about in the first three topics here, I mean, the answer really is just reach out. If you want to stoke that engagement, then be engaged personally with the other players who are doing the thing, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, if you're, I'm excited about the rule set, I want to tell my other friends about the rule set, right? I'm excited about my hobby thing. I show it to them. They're showing me their hobby thing. I'm giving them encouragement to go chase that vision, right? Like, and then checking in with them on a regular basis. How's it coming? How's it coming? Show me what you got. Right. And then when it comes to that, and then all, all ties back to the social where you take an active interest in other people. I, it, it really is that simple. The game, because it's a game and it's not a video game where you're playing against an AI, you're playing against other people. You got to build a scene. And in order to build a scene, you have to have the other people that you want to play with feel as if you give it if they show up. Mm-hmm. Right. They have to, they, they have to feel as if you care that they're there. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that that is the level of engagement that gets other people involved in the game and builds a community, Absolutely. right? That that's that's sums it right up, you know. Yeah. Well, let's jump into this last investment, and this is the one that nobody really likes to talk about. And and I would say we gave that caveat that we're talking about it from the perspective of Kings of War, which is a, you know, it's a business, right? And, and so what we're talking about is that financial investment, but. Mantic is one stakeholder and, and obviously they would reap the benefits of, of financial investment, but there are other stakeholders that could also reap those benefits. You know, in my case, it's war room hobbies, right? I'm playing right. two three times a week at yeah. that store. I need to make a financial investment in at that store. Right. Right. So, you know, in, in some regards, this is the easiest thing to identify. Oh, I'm making those investments, but at the same time, it's, 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 it's a little, yeah. It's not not necessarily the, the greatest discussion, right? Like with myself, you know, I don't know. It's 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 tricky to have that discussion within the community too. Are you investing financially in Kings of War, the community, your gaming store? You know. So I I, I see that in, I see that in two actually, yeah, I see it in two th- in two ways, right? The first is the the support of, and this is normally brought up in, in the idea of support of Mantic Games. If they're not, if you don't buy their minis and they're going to go out of business and then no one gets to play anymore. And I think, and I'm going to be the, the black hat in this discussion. Yeah, yeah. One, make minis I want to buy because I have a garage full of minis. Yeah. Right. I, I, I think a lot of people, especially old people like me, just you accumulate crap. And right now I could build seven minis, seven armies out of the crap I own. Right. That isn't even put together yet. It's gross. Right. Um, so make minis I want to buy. Okay. That's my, that's my counter argument to that. And the other counter argument I'm going to make to this to that is this, is that if 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 uh, if I woke up tomorrow and Mantic went, on, went out of business and we weren't doing Kings of War anymore, me and my buddies would play something else because we have an established community here and somebody would go, I'm playing this other thing who wants in. And I, I would probably switch over to more Dungeons and Dragons. I would do some I would do some other things. I would do other things. But it's not like all of a sudden I have to go find another hobby and maybe I'll take up tennis. Right. Like I want the I want the community to continue. I want the game to succeed. Make minis I want to buy, man. The other side of that too is I will buy every single rule set in every format that they put out because those rules are worth my money. 
Mm-hmm. Those rules are worth my money, mm-hmm. right? So that's 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 my thought on that. I don't want to talk about the local game story until we finish talking about the support of Mantic first, though, because I think they're sure. two different yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, right. They're connected, but they are distinct, right? And it's not that it's not that I'm antagonistic toward a company. I want Mantic to make a trillion dollars, right? But I think that they're to to be frank, make some STLs, man. Well, right. and they I'll, are. I'll give they're, you fat loot. I'll yeah, fat loot for working, STLs. They're working on it. I've always liked the the Mantic models, but I think the I'm trying to th- try to see here. The, so for my first army, the Undead Army, I think the Mantic Undead range is very well fleshed out. I think it's one of their oldest ranges. I think actually the way I found out about it's the second to the Mantic, elves were the first, yeah. and the Undead were the second, and then the uh, the way I found out about Mantic games is I was actually looking at building a Warhammer Fantasy army right before they uh, right before they nuked it, and I was looking for cheaper zombies, and then that that's how I stumbled upon it was was yeah. finding their zombie ranges. Um, and I, I I don't mind investing personally into that. I don't. I mean, I'll I'll admit I do buy some Games Workshop models, like for the uh, for the whites. I'm using the uh, Spirit Host for the for the new army, just because yeah. I, I hate hated the metal ones and don't want to wait on the resin ones. Right. But um, and what you said, Mike, like I'll I'll always buy the rule set just because that. I mean, that's the heart of the game, right? The one thing I'm looking forward to the most is uh, is the are the STLs though, just because I got into 3D printing. Even right. and and you know I'm hoping that it's going to be like most STLs where maybe you pay. Five, ten, five, ten dollars, and you, you get a stack of maybe a you know some kind of scatter terrain or something yeah. like that. Like I, I think that's a really great idea for the company, mm-hmm. and I like that the being right. the being the model agnostic company that they are. Right, I think that that came out of the fact that they knew that they were going to get a lot of uh, players from. Well, I think that was just deliberate to get. Right? So yeah. they, 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 want, they want you to play Kings of War. If the only way you're going to yeah. play Kings of War is with the old models. Is to use play your, with your old models. models. But it's, yeah, I mean, ultimately... I don't, yeah. don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but you know, that's where the, the Dark Elves come from, Kingdom of Men, and so people can yeah, use yeah, yeah. your old models. But now that that's there to the point where, you know, it's an established company, they have an established community... I'm glad that they're not just pulling that away. I'm glad that they they're saying we don't support 3D printing. You right. can only use Yeah, they're trying to be progressive in that models. regard. Like I agree. I, I'm I'm yeah. glad that even though they supported that in the past, now they have the success that they're not changing that. And that's one of the reasons and and you know, I I do use I would say I probably use like 80% Mantic models in, in both the armies that I have. It just makes me happy that they're supporting the community as a whole for that and for that reason is why I buy the models well too. counter to counter counter mics <laughs> you don't have to buy kings of war models that's the beauty of king of yeah. mantic they make a lot of other stuff oh yeah. i i want to do I, i'm going to 3d print this sylvankin army but for firefight maybe they have an army that you like right or maybe you want to buy the hellboy models or yeah right i'm a role player and i'm going to buy all their terrain crate i, I guess what 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 i'm from a mantic point of view and i think we're kind of saying it in a nice way Find something. Find some way to invest. Yeah. In. If it's the Mantic Companion, if it's whatever works for you, there's no right answer. What's the right mix? Is it 20% financial? Inv- I don't know. But the, the point is that you're at least thinking about these different ways to invest. And, you know, Mantic, that's the beauty of Mantic, right? There are lots of ways to give them money, right? Now, if right. you're only a Kings of War player or you only play Vanguard, well, then it, it is limiting. But yeah. most of us, are. that's not the case for most people. You know, so I have a GCPS army and uh, that game isn't figure agnostic and the models are great. You know, the GCPS look like the corporate Marines. 
I'm a big fan. Is Firefight um, what you see is what you get? Is that, is that how they play it? I'm not an expert on the rules. Here's the thing. They make all the models that are in the rule book. So that's nice, right? They very and that's, clear that, and that's yeah. a distinct difference between them and yes. King of War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Right. No, I that's think it was intentional, point. right? Right. That we're, yeah. we're, because they they've said over and over that we're not going to release an army for firefight if we don't have hard plastics, if we don't have models that are that are more modern, that are ready to go. Um, that's why Rebs are not in firefight yet because they don't know what to put on the sprue. It should be coming, but you know, Mike, it's a good segue there to the store. The store is a different stakeholder, right? Right. That has the store doesn't mean you have to buy Mantic models. In our store, you could buy you could buy cool mini or not Song of Ice and Fire. You mm-hmm. could buy AOS models, but right. the, the the point is you could buy paint. But yeah. the store has a different thing. You know, in, in my mind, Mantic, you invest in their stuff in some way, give them money so that the that the rule set does stay alive. Yes, if it goes away, just like fantasy. We'll we'll find something else, but I really like Kings of War. Yeah, <laughs> right. I yeah, really like enjoy it, and I and I and if and if I can give them a little bit of money to keep it going, great. Mm-hmm. People sometimes, and me me in particular, kind of browbeated. You know, kind of would say that it's a bad thing that they're so they've got so many pokers in the fire. You know, in one sense, yes, it's hard to when you only have a small pool of resources. It's hard to keep everybody happy when you got all these different game systems. But the mm-hmm. flip side is. You've got more. You've got more entrees at the table for us to pick from, and it right. gives us more avenues to give the money on the gaming. You know, on the gaming store front, which and obviously, I think this is mostly from a U.S. perspective. If the store doesn't make money and they and they go out of business, I don't physically have a place to play uh, yeah. with a bunch of people. Because here's the thing: I, I, I my perspective is maybe different than a lot of people. We used to have a clubhouse where we played games. Let me just tell you, we did not grow the club. Because no one is going to no, literally like two people uh, in the f- four or five years we had it, like maybe there are two or three people that took the the invitation to come down this alley to some sketchy place and play with us. Right. 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 But but it's much <laughs> right. different with with yeah. us in the gaming store. It's like, well, hey, yeah. actually, we're in a public space with cameras and come check out the majesty of Kings of War. We'd love to have you. And so what I'm saying is. Since we've made the move to, to to War Room, it's probably been three years that they've been open. We got thirty people playing. Like I get twenty wow. people to one day, right? Right? Like yeah, it's amazing. It's fantastic, it's awesome. right? Yeah. And that so, is awesome. and and so, what are the things that we're that we're constantly trying? To, you know, I, it's it's tough, man. Am I beating you up about it? I, you know, I, I'm trying to to reinforce, you know, to incentivize people. Look, hey, man. Make sure we're doing what we need to do with the store to make sure that they stay open. Because let's be honest, this store has a huge gaming space. It ain't cheap. I don't know what he's paying, but I know it ain't cheap. Yeah. And you said something earlier, uh, Trent, that resonated with me in the sense that I am I have the non-mantic armies that, that they don't make models for. So I have a kingdom as a men army, mm-hmm. right? But I try to offset that. You know, I always look, look, man, I've got a Salamander army. And Mike, to your point, yeah, I, I would never tell anybody to buy something just to buy it. But the range is growing so much. There's some cool mm-hmm. models out there. And Absolutely. I don't know about you, whenever they make dwarves riding ravens that con- that Ronnie <laughs> mentioned about, yeah, sign me up because I'm going to have... Oh, he did rest- say something about flying dwarves. He did, right? Yeah. 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 And I'm yeah, like, yeah. woo! Because I'm a- yeah. like, look, <laughs> Mike has a long... Look, they tease Mike because he doesn't play in the armies but dwarves. Right. I have a long history with dwarves myself, my friend. Maybe I maybe it's because of my physique is kind of dwarfish. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, but I really enjoy dwarves. Here's what I did. I sold off my GW dwarf army. I only kept 
the stuff that was really they have I have a real emotional investment yeah. to. So I, you know, as I, and I have a small smattering, but I am kind of just in the in the periphery going, okay. We talked about that creative investment in the back of my mind. I'm like, mm-hmm. what's my dwarf army going to look like? And really, I'm waiting for Mike's book to come out to give me that that punch that I need. It's 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 uh, prepare yourself for guys with shields. So, I, but I, that's I, that's okay, right? Just dudes in a line. I have a uh, in in terms of playing or okay, so things that you can do to to you know support the local game store, right? Is what what I have found is that uh, for a long time. We had a couple game stores in the area, but none of them had more than like one or two tables. So it's hard to get like an event going at any of these mm-hmm. places. Recently, uh, a year, about a year and a half ago, um, the major game store in the area opened up a game cafe. Right. So now he has all this space. By food, by drinks. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's pretty great. So we've been running our events there. Now, up until then, what you would find, what I, even now, what I do is if I, okay, so the new rule book comes out for Kings of War. I could buy that direct from Mantic, but I don't. I don't buy anything direct from anywhere. I don't buy anything on Amazon that's game related. I don't buy any of that crap. I get it all through my game store. Yep. So he gets to take the 15, 20, 30% off, and I get to smile at the employee that I've known for 20 years and go, hey, man, how's your day yep. going? Right? Like that's something simple. And even now, I'm still waiting for my book to come in. It's weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, but it's worth it. Right? Yep. I know it's a raging pain in a rump, but it's worth it because I want this place to stay open mm-hmm. because that's. To, to your point, Rob, you don't want a sketchy place for people to go, mm-hmm. but I also don't feel comfortable inviting someone who I just met over to my house. Correct. Now I, you know, now that yeah, I got yeah. kids and stuff, this is right? a safe like, space for everybody, like, bro. I don't know you, you know. So until I know mm-hmm. you, you don't get to come over to house. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just how it is. So it's safe it's, all it's, around. It's 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 the one it's the one area of investment that you know gets people bristled sometimes that get their guard up. And and what we're just saying here is, look, there's lots of other ways you can invest too. And so maybe this financial piece is just is just a smaller piece to that. I was going to say, uh, Mike, you're talking about, um, you know, don't not buying direct. Just just a counterpoint here. You know, somebody uh, like me where I move around a lot and have been to a bunch of different right. local game stores and where I'm at now, there's not a local game store. There's nothing wrong with buying direct. Right. But if you do play at a brick and mortar store, right, a friendly local game store, you spend time there. Hey, where yeah, you play. Just, just get some buy buy a bottle of wash, right? Buy a bottle of strong cone army painter wash that you know a, you'll use. A, a good store <laughs> will take your money. So I said, Mike, I know you don't carry Reaper paints, but could you order me six, you know, 25 of these bottles for me from Reaper? Because he does order from Reaper, he just doesn't yeah. stock the paint. Sure, right. no problem, Rob. I play Legion. I buy all my stuff. He knows if a rebel unit comes out, I'm gonna buy it. Yep. You know, yep. right? Our Armada, whatever it is, like there, look, there's a good store will figure out a way to get you something yeah. you need. And, you know, and Mike, I share your frustration too sometimes where, uh, and, 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 if, and we are working on a show where, Hey, where are some, we give some constructive criticism to Mantic. One of them is their distribution thing. And it is not exclusive to Mantic. It's a UK thing. They have this the store has the same problem with like warlord games, just getting stuff over here sometimes. And, and, you know, and maybe that's the growing pains that they have to go through where they get to the point where they have a U.S. warehouse. You know, I think that's that's the key. So just kind of recapping things, you know, we, we talked about, you know, an emotional investment. Mike called it the excitement factor. G- great way to describe it. The creative investment where you're you're physically doing something or preparing, a, you know, you know, making a model, painting a model. We talked about the social investment where you're 
you know, you're helping build that community. You're setting right. the stage, you're running an event. And then, you know, it's important. That final piece is the financial investment. That is about looking at the ecosystem in which we game in and determining which stakeholders you need to kick in some cash, right? From time to time. To your point, Trent, if you're not playing in a game store, right? If you're just playing yeah. at your house, then then that's fine. Find Mantic models. I mean, no matter how you yeah. get Mantic models or Mantic books, they're going to make some money on it, right? That's okay. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But if you're playing in a game store, then there's a second stakeholder there that, yes. that, that you need you need to help take care of. Because, look, I don't know about you. The war room has been one of the best things that's happened to me in the last three years. Because before that, we had a great time playing in a clubhouse. But I played the same armies every week. Right. The same players. Oh, Hard Josh or Matt or Taylor, these new guys that I didn't know before but felt comfortable to come in. This is a jumping off point to much, much more lengthy discussions in different areas. But I think the point we want to make here is that look at these ways to invest, find the right balance for you as a player, right? And and and, and just measure it. See, are you are you investing enough that you know we we because at the end of the day, it's about growing the community, right? And and making this game great. And somebody told me at a, a, a at a historical convention, he goes, it's not about attracting the faithful. The faithful are already here. Right, they're here. Totally it's about true. getting the, the the other people that are not part of the you know part of the faithful yet, and that resonated with me because so every time I meet a new player in any game system, you know I'm always thinking, would they like Kings of War? Because I, I you know maybe the, maybe they're into clean rule sets or you know you guys said figure agnostic, but opportunities to be more creative with unit basing. Yeah. So final thoughts, guys, in terms of these four. Buckets. And, and by the way, if you disagree with the way we've bucket, put the buckets together or the categories together, please let me know. I, you know, my wife tells me every day that I'm wrong, so it won't hurt my feelings. <laughs> now, I think it's. I think it's just important. Uh, you know, we broke these down individually and we talked about them individually, but but they're all connected. And, you know, the financial investment one might be one off to the side a little bit, but it's it's just important. The most important thing when it comes to community building, and I'll say it again, I think it's just caring about and showing that you care that the people that you're playing with are there. Right. And then that keeps them engaged. And then if someone rolls up, let's say a new guy comes up and, and has an opportunity to play Kings of war with you or the club you're in, they get to, they can look around and go, wow, it's more than just three guys who argue all the time. Look at these dudes. They're good. There's a bunch of people here The they all have their stuff that's painted. And if it's not painted, it's getting there. And I'm kind of excited to, see what's going on. And then everybody seems to be having a good time. And that is an inviting atmosphere where they go, well, that was pretty cool. I get to do that again with cool people. I probably will. Because in the gaming space, we've talked about this. There's a whole bunch of other games that people could play. You play what your friends play, right? It's, it's the, so, it's the key to social engagement, right? And so there's two ways to do that. You either get your friends to play the game you want to play, or you make friends, right? You make friends with the people that are playing this other game, but and you, you play know, their you game. Yeah, but you don't play with enemies, right? And you don't play with people that don't care about you, right? Yeah. All right, because if you're going to do that, go play video games, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a good seriously. Point. You know? it, it's really interesting, though. You know, this is just when you look at the categories we have. There's a parallel to what we would call as the, the the stool of the community, like the the three legs, the three pillars. We've always talked about gaming, hobby, and sportsmanship, right? As part of the game itself, you could argue that emotional investment is that gaming piece. The creative piece, the creative investment is, is is hobby, and that social investment, that's that sportsmanship slash community. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, it, it's it's interesting comment. that you, you know 
ultimately it all comes back to you need balance, right? You need balance in your investments. You need balance in your game. And, and I think this is awesome. This is going to hopefully be the first of many episodes. You know, Mike has been very, have been very uh, engaged in helping me kind of work through a schedule player engagement. We want to start with what the player can do, you know, to kind of get this thing rolling, but we've got ideas about, well, how do you build the local scene? You've got to engage players. How do you turn them into a community? You know, what can Mantic games do? I think Mantic in some ways is doing a great job. Their partnership with wing to SAR, Man, talk about fostering, giving me an invitation to creatively invest. Oh, look at all these first-time offers, man. I mean, right. gracious. Uh, and then, obviously, your local gaming store. We talked about them as a stakeholder. What can they do to help foster these communities and keep things rolling? Once you got a community, how do you keep it going? Because, Mike, you know, we've been at this for a little while now. And sometimes it's like you're in a lull. Like, well, how do you re-energize? How do you maintain that community? How do you give them a shot in the arm? when? You know, maybe you get some people that are like, oh, I don't really like the changes to the rules or, you know, how do you attract new players? How do you keep the it's customer service one on one? It's always cheaper to keep the players you already got than to get new ones. Right. But Absolutely. you need both. You need because all attrition's a thing. Right. Some people uh, are going to eventually find other games that they just enjoy more. And then finally, we're we're from the U.S. We have a very laser focus on the U.S. What's the right. international perspective? They don't play in stores typically, as I understand in the in the United Kingdom, right? So we want to get that perspective as well because obviously, community building is is an international affair. But maybe, uh, well, I would suppose that what they think is more important the the balance of those ways to invest and the and the ways you the tools you use may be applied differently uh, internationally. So I don't know, Mike. You want to kind of sum us up? I think you did a great job there. I, what okay. am I supposed to say after that? That, all was, right, all, that, that was all the words. Yeah, right? Nailed Jeez. it, Rob. Okay. Let's end it on an engaging note. Trent, give me a person that, that needs a shout out for this is a guy that really is a great engaged player that's really investing on all these things. Give, give, me, give me an example of that. Um, a person to emulate. Uh, a role yeah, model. A person to emulate. Honestly, I think uh, I think I got my shout out got, has to go to Michael Sigler. Just from him running the, you know, he he's one of the younger players too. He ran the KCGT, and uh, it just was always to me being a brand new player at the time was always super friendly. I remember I played him as a ringer during that tournament, super friendly, like happy to see me, and it just made me feel good to be part of the community. So I I appreciate you, Michael. And his dad is awesome too, by the way. Oh yeah, Mr. Sigler is awesome. Yeah, it was he cool. He played in that tournament too. You know, what? it's a, it's interesting because I think it's that a rules. it's got to be like genetics because ray shields dad <laughs> is also amazing so right? it must be like if your dad's are cool they got to be cool because i had maybe the best game of my life against both michael sigler's dad chris sigler right and mr shields like in my mind you know, we walk away with the memories of the models there's some memories of those yep. two games yeah a lot of fun mike over to you uh, who do you got do you want to shout out I'm, i'll say it again jason murphy here in albany is he is engaged he gets other people excited He's building stuff. He's reaching out to everybody going, I want to do this cool idea. What do you think? He's he's running events. He's reaching out. He's doing good things. He right now is like the he's the community rock star here in Albany. Right. And it's and I think we're going to talk about this when we when uh, in later episodes, just the idea of how how a local a local scene can't rely on a single person. Right. And and he's he's been fantastic to have here in Albany. And I cannot burn out. 
you burn out. Yeah. Like you just can't right. do it all yourself. And or, or, if you or, don't have help, it's like sometimes you feel like, oh, I can't carry everything, guys. Yeah. yeah. Come on. But like he's he's killing it. So I, yeah. you know, we he's he's fantastic. Well, so. awesome. Uh, this has been great, guys. I am uh when we're done with these kind of shows, I'm like, all right, what's next? Let's go. <laughs> you know, I get right. it just it just I don't know, it just makes me that much more excited about yeah. Kings of War and the future. This is Trent Sosby coming from Germany. Thanks for joining us on Countercharge. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. Trent, just take us out. I'm going to edit all that out. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I just, you don't. You, you just got to write. Sometimes you know? just know when it should be over. Yeah. What am I supposed to say again? Whatever you want. And Whatever if it's I not want. the right thing, I'll make fun of you in the outtakes. <laughs> <laughs> My God. This is Trent Sosby coming from Germany. Thanks for joining us on Countercharge. Fantastic. All right.